The Cars, the first album. Gobble, gobble. When Pop and Night Thoughts Collide. QR Theme Musics. doing a crossover for one great album no turkey here the cars the first album welcome back to pop your pop culture podcast i'm ken mills one of your hosts here today and today i'm joined by some very special guests one of our hashtag pod crushes one of our hashtag potter and family that's right people that we love to pod with and we love the cars here at pop and we love the following people that are going to introduce themselves now. Dave and Donna, please introduce yourself. Donna, ladies first. Thanks. Uh, hi, I'm Donna. I go by Sweet Purple June. And uh, I am the co-host of the Night Thoughts Cars podcast. Hey, and I'm here because I think Ken's awesome and this is going to be a lot of fun. I truly agree. And I'm Dave. I'm at night underscore spots on Twitter. And... Uh, We've been doing our podcast for about a year. The name of the show is Night Thoughts, mm-hmm. the Cars podcast, which people confuse a lot with my Twitter username, Night Spots. Mm-hmm. The, the name derives from the fact that we originally started recording on late Friday nights. Mm-hmm. So we had our Night Thoughts, which we'll, we'll go back to now. But um, hey, we've we kind of got a following. We're enjoying ourselves. <laughs> That's for sure. We have no legal action against us so far, so we're doing pretty good. Knock, Knock on, on wood. wood. <laughs> Knock on Micah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we've come into each other's uh, radar. We've we've bumped into each other out there in the universe, and we've become fast friends. And when you're in the cars, it's probably the best way to become friends is fastly, right? Yes. <laughs> with, with great speed. There's going to be a lot of car puns probably on this yes. episode <laughs> i have no doubt <laughs> and we are gathered here just in time for the holidays we're we're going to take some time to talk about something that is not a turkey right exactly this is one of my favorite albums of all time and today we're going to be doing a round table where we're going to go through the cars 1978 album track by track and we're going to offer up some slices of great tunage and music from the cars one of my favorite bands and i think you guys kind of like them too it's nice doing crossover shows with people that you respect and uh, you guys i call you partners in a lot of ways because you're always tweeting anything we do you guys push it back out and i really appreciate that it, seriously, it's it's great to see that. And it's, it's great when we can support one another in the podcasting community. Yeah. Agreed. You, you tweet my back, I'll tweet yours. That's right, buddy. <laughs> you, you tell them. You tell them. <laughs> so 
why the cars? Why the cars podcast? I mean, I've gotten that sort of question because we do one about Kiss, we do one about Cheap Trick, we do one about the monkeys, and people thought there's no way you could get 120 episodes out of talking about the monkeys, and yet here we are, right? You guys are really into the cars. I mean, you've, you've had a great, great amount of episodes about this one band. What is it about this one band to you? And David, we'll start out with you, and then we'll throw it over to Donna. With Donna and I in this podcast, it was kind of a progression of our fandom. Mm-hmm. You know, Donna's written a blog. Um, I've done a lot of different, uh, you know, graphics work and things throughout the years for for the fandom. And uh, Donna and I met up on, on Twitter. I, I think I made a graphic for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. What, what did the graphics say, Donna? It was the one about the it was Ben. It was putting Ben's face on a hundred dollar bill. Yes. So we kind of got together and, you know, you go from one thing to the other to the other. And and I thought, you know what? I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Why couldn't we do a podcast about the cars? You know, nobody else is doing one. So I approached Donna with it and she said, OK, we'll try it. And um, we figured maybe, you know, we might get in 10 episodes or something like that. But the 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 more that we podcasted the more we realized that there's a lot of topics that that uh, we both think of that that we can spend an hour or more talking about so it's just you know it's it's uh it's a great way to just uh uh converse first of all with with another fan but uh, have people listen in and and uh chime in and and just go from there i love it <laughs> i love good. it too and I think, um, you know, Dave's been a fan since they came out. I mean, since the debut album. And um, so he's got this whole history of loving the cars, loving their music and the band. And I'm relatively new to the fanorama, but I have a, such a research and analytical oriented personality that, you know, as Dave and I became friends, we just really loved um hashing over some of these things and some of the mystery about the cars, some of the, uh, just the, the technical stuff, the, the, uh, personal personality, everything. And we just enjoyed talking about it so much together that, yeah, I mean, it just seemed like a natural, a natural thing to do to start a podcast about it and just yak in case anybody else wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, I'm glad you found each other and I'm glad we found you as well. So where do we start with this? I mean, this album is is huge. This album is one of those classic albums. And it's weird because over the years, I don't feel that people have a grasp of how different the cars were at the time because they've now become, you know, right up there with McDonald's or beer or any commercial thing. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? It's just... You, you get to a point where where an album becomes so big that it sounds like it's just always been, right? Mm-hmm. But, but there was a time before this album came out when songs and albums and bands like this just was not a thing that often, right? Like, I, I the only thing I can really think of is that there were things that, that Bowie was doing and things like Kraftwerk and things like a lot of stuff overseas, right? Mm-hmm. This album to me sounded so strange and foreign when it came out. It sounded like it was rock and roll, Buddy Holly music, recorded by aliens. That's that's really <laughs> what it sounded like to me. Uh, well, I, I just know at the time when when I first heard it, 
it it wasn't and i'm talking as a midwest guy it wasn't ario speedwagon it wasn't country rock which is what i was surrounded with with my with my family and friends and so it was it was different and you know it was something that i just just latched on to just because it was it was not what everyone else was listening to it was new and fresh and uh i also think that you know that it was probably the first uh band that i'd ever heard that that used a lot of uh technology and synthesizers the you know greg hawk synthesizers you know flowing in there just blew me away mm-hmm. does it ring true with you about how different they sounded oh yeah i mean it was it was the only thing you know i i'm going on the on the standpoint of being a 15 year old kid well 14 actually when when the album came out and you know when you're that age you're you're looking for something that would set you apart that would make you feel different that make you feel like you had an edge on someone else and and this band discovering this band was was something that i had you know for myself um it, it wasn't what the other kids were listening to and and i i didn't try and share it with them i mean it was just my own little thing i had uh I had one guy who, who introduced me to them, and and um, that was about it. That's the only Cars fans that I knew <laughs> was was this one guy, my brother, and me. And um, you know, so it's just it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, this kind of sets me apart um, from everyone else internally. It it probably it didn't <laughs> on the outside, but internally, you know, I felt I felt different. Very good. Now, Donna, how did you find the Cars? Oh, well, I had already, I kind of always knew about the cars, especially the 80s cars, um, you know, the Heartbeat City cars. And they were always, uh, you know, on the scene as far as growing up as an MTV kid and all of that. But it wasn't until uh, it was the end of 2015, my husband and I, my family, we were on a long drive and a car song came on. I think it was my best friend's girl. And my husband and I got to talking about how there were two vocalists in that band and we couldn't really remember. And, you know, all I could visualize was Rick Okasik's, you know, specter. Um, and so we got home and we looked up the cars and the first video that came up was the, um, <laughs> the midnight special 1978 where they're singing just what I needed. And wow. Ben of course is, uh, is all over that. And, for me, that was the hook. Benjamin was the hook. And I just really had a strong reaction to that. And it just made me, again, my research personality, I just, I had to dive in. I had to go down the rabbit hole and um, find out everything I could about the cars. And and you're right. I did not realize what a difference they were making in the soundscape of the late seventies until going back and researching it. And then, you know, you look at the billboard charts for 1978 or 77, 76. And, you know, the, the kind of music that was, um, that was popular at that time was so very, very different than what the cars ended up being. And so I didn't see that, um, until, you know, looking back because again, I just was more familiar with the eighties cars. And so discovering the 1978 cars was amazing. It was mind-blowing to hear their sound um, compared to them in the 80s. But then to realize how they really changed the face of music um, was is uh, awesome. Well, I 
grew up in the shadow of the mighty WMMS, the Buzzard, from Cleveland, mm-hmm. Ohio. Mm-hmm. And they were an early adopter, and they helped spread the gospel of the cars big time. Mm. Mm-hmm. And on that station, you had everything from Black Sabbath to uh, the Tubes, White Punks on Dope, to Bob Seger, Bruce Springsteen, Ian Dury. I'm just throwing things mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. But the cars stood out in the same way that like the Pretenders did and that Blondie did. There was something in the water. Something was about to change, right? Mm-hmm. And the cars had to, like, to me, the cars looked as weird as the Beatles did in some way they mm. all looked the same but different they were like five beast of the same ilk and greg, <laughs> greg hawks was the ringo if you will of them oh well that that's not a bad thing i mean i love ringo <laughs> you know and i and i love greg hawks i mean he's he's amazing but the other guys they just had a certain cool look where they all look cool you could tell that this was the cars. You know what I'm saying? In the same mm-hmm. way that, like, when you saw the Stones, they all looked different. There's Charlie Watts. There's Keith, or Keith, as they say, you know, <laughs> and uh, and Mick. But they all seemed to fit. So it was it was similar to like looking at the Kinks or the Stones or the Beatles. It had that kind of vibe to it. And as different as Rick looked from Elliot, as different as Ben looked from Greg and Dave, and they all seemed to fit. There was a, a, a symmetry to their look, something mm-hmm. that said, we belong together. Mm-hmm. And I know that they say you can't judge a book by the cover, but man, that that album cover is amazing. And all the Cars <laughs> album covers are designed by the drummer, Dave Robinson, correct? Yes. He, yes, he had a hand in all of them, yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's weird because we're talking about how the, the band looked visually. There's nothing on that cover, and it, it, you almost see this woman on the cover. You don't know what's going on with her. Is she is she having a good time? <laughs> is she, like, five seconds away from crashing head-on into something? <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a kind of weird, evocative thing, but it makes you want to pick up the album and see what's going on. It really right. did capture something. And then you've got the inside sleeve. Yes. Which you would just pour over that stuff when back in 1978, didn't you? I mean, whether it yeah. was any album that came out, there was, you know, I don't know if you want to blame Kiss or the Beatles or whoever, but something was happening with vinyl back in the day where you would, each album was its own unique experience. You would open it up and there'd sometimes be booklets or posters or tattoos or something weird in them. But the cars had that black and white sleeve that just made you pour over it and ask, well, who is this guy and what's he doing? And how come he looks so different than him, but there's still the cars? Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a whole experience unto itself. Did you know that that sleeve was designed by David Robinson and that was originally intended to be the cover as far as the cars were concerned. That's what they wanted as a cover, but the, um, the record company wasn't, wasn't really on board with that. So they compromised and made it the sleeve instead. Mm-hmm. There were, there were also some things about copyrights that were preventing that from being the album cover. Correct. I haven't heard that before. I just, I've just heard that they, uh, that the record company wanted to go a different direction. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out that they may have been onto something because that <laughs> that album cover is so iconic. Yes, yes. 
and it's 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 not that unusual to see when people do those things on Facebook or Twitter with the ten albums that I just absolutely love. Not surprisingly, this album surfaces time and time again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the, the thing about that inner sleeve, because you can't really see too well what the band is really looking like on the back cover of the album. I, I never really understood that picture on the back. I don't know if they're running from the cops or running <laughs> from fans or what, you know, what they're supposed to be doing back there. But, you know, on the inner sleeve, that, that kind of gives you a, a better idea of what the band looked like. And... I always I always saw Elliot Easton as a guy who thought he was a badass. <laughs> it's like well, this this lead guitarist really thinks he's a badass. Look at that pose. But Greg Hawks, he he's your he he's dressed in your typical keyboardist outfit. Mm-hmm. You know, in in all the different bands that have a keyboardist, they're always the ones that are a little bit off. You know, <laughs> he's got the suspenders. He's the only one with a mustache. You know, it's like okay, that guy's a keyboardist, no doubt. <laughs> yeah so much yeah uh, you know that you mentioned the, the the back cover i almost think that seriously the 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 girl on the front got in an accident and they're leaving the scene of the crime <laughs> <laughs> like they were in the back seat and they went tits they're up out of here yeah and they're like fuck it we got to get out of here man <laughs> good i'm on probation i gotta get going yeah <laughs> I think I think that's the story. <laughs> hey, we've got a debut album coming out. We can't be found here, you know. So <laughs> yeah. we bail on the chick who's driving with the Lucite yeah. steering wheel. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but seriously, she looks like she's one second from either an orgasm or a car accident, one or the other. <laughs> there's well, just that like <laughs> you know, there's there's just that cuteness about her and it just it just makes you wonder what's going on. It's similar as weird as this is going to sound. I'm going to say that this album is like the the thing that they always talk about the Mona Lisa. You're not quite sure what she's up to. <laughs> the same thing about the Cars debut album cover. <laughs> it's like the Mona Lisa of rock covers. It is. There you That's go. That's awesome. You can you can quote <laughs> us on that, right, guys? That's right. <laughs> so this album was recorded in February of 1978 in Air Studios, London. That had to yes. be a very interesting trip for the guys who grew up in the Boston, Cleveland, and other areas, right? Yep. Yes, they, uh, Elliot in particular has said, you know, it was just such a surreal thing for a kid who's, you know, never been farther than, I don't remember what he said, never been farther than Washington, D.C. or something Mm -hmm. to actually get on a plane and leave the country to record an album. And then, of course, with Roy Thomas Baker as the producer, it was all so heady and exciting and unbelievable to them. Uh Now, what do you think of Roy Thomas Baker? I'm not asking you about his production. I'm asking you about the choice of producers like if you would have told me this is what the cars are going to sound like let's get roy thomas baker to make that happen i would have said it's not going to happen because going on his past work some amazing stuff that he's done i mean primarily everyone knew him from queen right queen yeah and you've got queen which is this grand theatrical you know orchestral rock opera kind of thing and then you take the cars, which, like I said, uh, Buddy Holly meets, you know, CP3O or something, right? And an alien. 
It's just such a bizarre thing, and you, you just can't imagine these two entities, the Cars and Roy Thomas Baker, making this beautiful music together. What right. do you think of him as a producer? Well, I, I think the, the, stacked, <clears throat> the, the stacked background vocals was a big part of that first album. Uh-huh. And, and that, that you know, kind of gives that, the Cars that sound. I mean, they, they were known for, for excellent harmonies, and even though they toned it down on subsequent albums, that's, that's the big sticking point for me. I, I credit Roy Thomas Baker for, for, for giving the Cars a part of their sound if it wasn't for him. Mm, nice. Well, that's the thing about a, a great producer, right? Whether it's, uh, you know, George Martin with the Beatles or whatever, there's a lot of people that could have done that job, but would they have pulled what he did out of those guys, right? Right. So same thing applies here. Yeah, and I think that the Cars sound, because it was so different, um, I think it was important for Roy Thomas Baker... I think it was important that he was involved because he, he was able to bridge. I I'm assuming in my opinion, he was able to bridge their sound enough to, to get it out there. You know what I mean? Like locally they were doing really great and it was, and there's no doubt they were on their way, but to make it um, commercially palatable, maybe well, palatable is not quite the right word, but you know what I mean? That He gave that extra boost, that extra, what it needed to be accepted in the more mainstream, even though it was not a mainstream sound at the time. So let's kind of do an overview of the album. We've talked about the cover. We've talked about the producer. Let's give you the, the, the simple facts, if you will. The Cars is the debut album by the American new wave band, The Cars. And it seems so weird to just try to say new wave band because they became mm. so much more, right? Yeah. But they did carry that flag and they went beyond that. It was released on June 6, 1978 on Elektra Records, the album which featured the three charting singles, Just What I Needed, My Best Friend's Girl, and Good Times Roll, as well as several other album-oriented rock radio hits, was a major success for the band. Remaining on the charts for 139 weeks, it has been recognized as one of the band's best albums. Do you know that this is also, there's another name for this album? Did you guys know that? No. See, this is why you have me on your show, right? Because I'm going to bring you these, <laughs> these weird facts. This album is not just called The Cars. It's also called The Cars' First Greatest Hits album. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because every song on it, <laughs> everyone knows this. Everyone knows it. And, you know, it, it's, it's just a truism. This is, this is a, their, their first greatest hits album. Every song on it is so well known. And the ones that aren't, you know, the one or two that aren't the big ones, it's almost like when you get like Hollow Notes greatest hits and they put two new songs on it. It's almost <laughs> yeah. it's almost like that. Yeah. yeah. As a matter exactly. of fact, L.A. Easton said of the album, we used to joke that the first album should be called The Car's Greatest Hits. We knew that a lot of great bands fall through the cracks. We were getting enough feedback from people we respected to know that we were on the right track. And boy, were they ever. <laughs> the, the the whole thing about this album that, that's always kind of been a peeve for me is, and I, I think a lot of bands do this, when they put out their first album, the name of their album is Them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get The Cars, The Cars. Mm-hmm. and but, but we usually refer to it as The Cars' debut. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I don't know, other other uh, bands have have done the same thing. You've got Collective Soul, who who put out their first album, which they had a title for for their first album, and then like a s- couple albums later, they just put out Collective Soul, <laughs> and then and then they put out another one just recent, like in the last two or three years, called Collective Soul. Uh-huh. <laughs> so talk about mixing people up, but you know you've got a. I, I don't think you can. I don't think you can title an album debut, but they've got to have something there. I don't know. BB did. BB did. Dave, remember? Yes, he Brett did. Basil, yeah. Brett Basil's yeah. first album is called Debut. Debut. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I've always joked with every band I've ever been in, we should call our first album Greatest Hits, because hey. that way, when people are looking for which album to buy, they'll always buy the <laughs> debut. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Cut out the middleman, right? That's awesome. So let's open up the album here. Let's put it on the turntable. Let's kick off track one, Good Times Roll. Talk about good times roll. Oh, me? Um, well, Dave actually might be the better person to talk about this. this All one, right, this, fine then. It's, it's, Dave? It's not Dave? one of my favorites. It's not Wait one a, of my favorites, I have to confess. Why throwing it off on me, Donna? <laughs> <laughs> oh. okay. See, here's here's the difference between between us, Ken. Donna Donna comes from the the fandom later in years, and she's also very fact based. Um, and this is kind of like on our podcast too. She's, she's the facts person. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the, the, Oh, I remember it this way because, you know, I've, I've been through it through square one. So when, when I think about good times roll, I immediately go back to my friend's bedroom where he had these mile high speakers that his parents wouldn't let him play to their full capacity unless they weren't home and, um, him playing this for me. And, you know, the, the first thing that hit me is that synth drum 
at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And then when you got that, just those, that wall of background vocals, good times row. I mean, I was just blown away. That's what I think of when I think, when I think of the song, I kind of considered it a little rock, rock anthem and, and, you know, just, just loved it from the get go. It's so funny, Dave, because you're right. The very first thing I thought of when he said, okay, talk about it. I was like, okay, well, it was the third single released, even though it's the first song on the album. And like, I'm starting to think of the facts, you know, it's exactly the same length as the first three songs. They're all the same length that, you know, like <laughs> start thinking the facts of the song. That is so <laughs> odd. The first three songs, a lot of people will not know this, but the first three songs are exactly three minutes and 44 seconds long. Yep. How the hell does that happen? (laughs) (laughs) I love stuff like that. The thing about it is in my neck of the woods, the the cars weren't being played. I mean, this is how, you know, why this became such a special band for me. This was something that, you know, you could only listen to on your own. It wasn't on our top 40 radio station that was in town here. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's, it's, it's one of those things that's just like, wow. Look what I've discovered, and and nobody else really knows about it, and and uh, it's it's uh, it was a refreshing break from all the other uh, things that were going on at the time. From the the Grease soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Grease soundtrack was big then. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Now it's weird because you just imagine you're opening this up for the first time you're putting this on the platter and you see where it says good times roll you're thinking oh wow i've been trained by bachman turner overdrive and <laughs> kiss or any band foreigner any band that this song's gonna kick ass you can just <laughs> tell this song's gonna kick ass right <laughs> and then you put it on and it's like zombies walking you know let the good times roll yeah. and it's it's almost like another band could take this same exact song and make a rock anthem out of it in a way like speed it up and like yeah good times roll you know what i mean and it would be, but it would lose something something that makes it special right but it's weird because it that feeling of detachment that alien thing that i refer to it's right here it, this is it, you know, from the from the muted tones to the 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 there's no passion in the vocals. It's but but it's very on purpose at the same time. Right. So there's determination. But there's such like an almost we know you guys all care about this stuff, but we're going to stay cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's that. Interesting. Do, yeah. So it's like there's an alien detachment almost to it. And uh, great song, though. And. It was weird hearing the the drums like that, because we yes. heard those drums like in like we've heard that sound in disco music, right? But mm-hmm. not so much in rock and roll. Yeah. Yes. And it was used sparingly and and again with purpose. I think to me it's kind of a a gentle introduction to the difference in their sound, because you know it's kind of a warning from them of you know we're going to go into this kind of slow for you, but we're about to kick your but with the rest of this album. So we're going to start off just a little bit, you know, a little toned down and hang on to your seat. <laughs> All right, let's let's pick an MVP for this song. If you were to pick one of the car members, one, one, one of the one of the members of the cars to be the MVP of Good Times Roll, who would you pick? Greg. Wow. Greg Hawks? Because his we can we call Greg the secret sauce of the sure. cars. 
his synthesizer contributions in this song are so perfect. And of course, I think that with every, just about every song that they do, he, he adds just the perfect amount. It's not overpowering. It's enough to make the sound different. It's not straight rock and roll. And, and it's not just like un, unreasonably quirky. It's perfect. It's perfect. I like, I, I vote Greg. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the first attraction I had to this band with that synthesizer sound mm-hmm. um, and, you know, bringing it more to the forefront. I agree. What do you say, Ken? It's, it's, it's insane to try to pick, right? Because <laughs> of course, <laughs> whether it's Elliot Easton's amazing guitar. And one of the things about this album, and I'm just going to turn my cards over. This is a perfect album, like straight yes. up yes. and any, any weaknesses <laughs> that it has are fixed on the next song and they don't last too long. So you don't get bogged down in the mire of some dreck that might be on other albums. If there's something that you don't dig on this album, it's kind of like the weather in Chicago. It's going to change in a minute. So just just hang <laughs> tight, right? But this song is a great introduction to the rest of the album. You kind of get an idea of something going on throughout. Basically, everything in this song is on everything else in the album. You know what I mean? Right, right from the layering of the guitars and the vocals to Greg Hawk's synthesizer, which basically synthesizers at this point were almost a novelty or making weird gurgling, you know, gastric sounds. It was just weird <laughs> stuff. <laughs> or they were so overpowering, you know, yeah. to me at that time, they were just, they were too, it was too much. No one had that subtle touch like Greg did. Mm-hmm. He was one of the few that could keep that steady. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. His his playing drove a lot of the songs, no pun intended. Um, I mean, you know, it's just a, a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And this this album, you know, this song, "Good Times Roll," setting the stage. It's you, you kind of know exactly what you're getting for the rest of the album. So, mm-hmm. "Good mm-hmm. Times Roll" is a pretty big hit. How well did that one do? Uh, I don't think it broke the top forty. It didn't break the top 40. On the Billboard Hot 100, it went to 41. Yep, 41, and in Canada, 74. But it was mm-hmm. it was a good, solid single when it was released in February 20th, 1979. So this this album had legs. It, it kept going. You couldn't kill it. The album itself was on the charts for 139 consecutive weeks, mm-hmm. which is quite a feat that's amazing it's awesome absolutely this song had a bit of creepiness to it you know what i mean (laughs) almost like we're taking over here we come (laughs) alien invasion the cars (laughs) track two my best friend's girl
this is one of those songs that when you think of the cars, you can't help but think about this song. Who wants to take lead on this? Go, Dave. Well, I can uh, attest that, one, the hand clapping Mm -hmm. at the beginning, I tried like hell to duplicate that when I was a kid. I have no sense of rhythm. I think (laughs) now as an adult, I've got it down. But, uh, you know... (laughs) I, I could I couldn't do it for shit, but I, I had asked Greg Hawks um, in a message, hey, you know, were, were those hand claps real or was that something that you did off your synthesizer? No, they were all standing around a microphone doing the hand claps. Uh-huh. Uh, awesome. So that's it's it's always an, a, a nice thing. But th- th- this song is uh, w- one of those songs that that I think a, lo- a lot of people identify with, especially if you're a guy. You know, my best friend's girl and and all these changing relationships and so forth. That's that's what it brought out in me. Um, it, uh, it the the whole, you know, kind of rockabilly sound to it was was different uh, for me at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also a big thing for me was was this song, along with just what I needed or was in the movie Over the Edge. Yes, I was yeah. a fan. So it was really cool to see. That was the first time I, you know, I had encountered um, anything by the cars in a movie. So they were just kind of like right out of the gate with that. So I loved it. You know, I love that soundtrack. It's got uh, three of my favorite bands on it. So it's Cheap Trick, <laughs> Kiss, yeah. and, you know, yeah. great greatness. I wasn't a big fan of My Best Friend's Girl for a long time, um, partly because I. I have come to appreciate Rick's voice so much more now. And there are definitely different, he has different vocal styles on different songs. And I just did not appreciate his vocals very much on this song. Of course, it's very catchy. Elliot's guitar work is the bomb. And um, I think I really started to to get it more because, you know, I'm, I'm team Ben all the way. I'm Benjamin Orr, number one. And so when I actually started listening to it to find out, okay, what is Ben doing during this song? And his bass is so melodic. And so it's not just your standard dunk, 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 dunk. He's, he's got stuff going on in the background. His layer is incredible. And that really helped, you know, give me a connection to the song that I ended up enjoying it a lot more. And now, of course, I love it. But it was, it, again, Ben was my hook into this one for sure. I'm a guitar guy. It's always been the thing that's always drawn me in. And Elliot Easton's guitar in this is, well, on this entire album, right? Mm-hmm. I've, I've often said this about Elliot's guitar playing. His solos are songs unto themselves. You can sing them. You know, there, there, are, there, are, yes. there are those guitar solos that you can sing. And I told those you, are the Dave. best ones. Mm-hmm. Those are the best solos. And Elliot Easton just has them in spades. He's got a Batman utility belt of nothing but great solos. (laughs) And plus, he he has a lot of those little, you know, clickety-click sounds that, that, you know, maybe if you're listening to this song on your car stereo, you know, off of a cassette that you never paid attention to. But now in this this uh, digital age and everybody's got headphones popped in, you mm-hmm. realize how much he adds or has added to all these different songs with just little clicks here and there or little, little runs here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just amazing. And yeah. the guy really has no ego. 
no. that I've ever noticed. Any interview I've ever seen with him, he's just a down-to-earth guy, but he's such a damn amazing guitar player. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things that if I'm ever putting together a solo album, I want him to play at least one solo on it, just so I can say <laughs> I worked with him. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Well, Elliot Easton is not a one-trick pony. He, no, he's, he's not. He's in so many genres of music mm-hmm. that, and and he brings them all in, you know, as he needs to. I think it's That's, important what you said about him not having an ego, because yeah. the band as a whole never seem to struggle with that. All of their music is so well balanced in that each person has their time to shine and their opportunity to shine in every song. There's there's not one that's jockeying for the for the mic or the forefront of the sound. It's they all just seem to really be a team, click together as a band. There's a smoothness not... to what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. even when you watch them on you, you reference the midnight special performance, right? They mm-hmm. these guys had this all worked out to where, you know, where it's not one guy just jumping in front of the other one. They all right. had their moments. There was a moment for everyone in every song, and they all let each other shine. And that's one of the great things about the Cars. It wasn't Absolutely. just a one-person band. Yeah. One of the things I know that that uh, people. Uh, some people in the fanorama get hung up on is, you know, that that basic formula of having an Elliot Easton uh, lead solo in every song. And when then we come across a song that doesn't have that, it kind of blows them away. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's when you you dive deeper into the song and you realize how much he's contributing to that song with mm-hmm. those little, little sounds and and here and there and so forth. I mean, he's he's just not standing there. I mean, he's right. he's adding to it. And that's, you know, Dave, that's so true because, and it goes in with this whole ego thing. He doesn't have to have a solo in the middle of every song. It's not like he's hanging there in the wings, making a few little sounds until he's in the spotlight with a big solo. He, he's there the whole time. He's present the whole time. And as we were discussing recently, he's got this outro talent too. Often he doesn't have a solo in the middle, but then you hear him just lighten it up on the way out of the song. It's yeah. amazing. Or in in sync with something that the, uh, a synth solo that Greg's putting in there. Yes, it's in, the, it's in the background, and people don't don't realize that. Right, that the, there's a pairing, a powerful pairing going on there, and they're they're together on it. It's not one jumping in front of the other. Right. Well, I can tell you as someone who loves the guitar and someone who that's always been the thing that, that's drawn me, I've referenced the alien thing, right? <laughs> the the uh, muted palm thing that you have going on in this song that leads to the where you actually are deadening the strings. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that makes it sound alien. And this was something that would become a really huge thing. Uh, because then this sound found its way like into of all places you think about hold on lucy you even find this going into other genres and you listen to like 38 special and they had come from the school of leonard skinner eagles that kind of stuff but they're borrowing this trick from the cars almost let's mute those strings and they had some great hits with using that same formula mm-hmm. you know hold on loosely if you listen to it it's got that thing going on that the cars excelled in. They definitely credit the cars for, and also the eighth note 
uh, trick. Jeff Carlisi of 38 Special has said in several interviews, just what I needed, which we haven't gotten to yet, but just what I needed saved his career practically is what he said. You know, it jump-started their music. And he definitely is very open about crediting the cars with that. Yeah, so it, it you know, you see that this song, it, it was such a shock to hear in some ways because at this point, there had been that 50s revival thing that had almost come and gone from Happy Days and Grease and Shannon and everything. Right. But here were these guys applying it to this new wave thing, whatever the hell that was going to be, right? So <laughs> it, it just had that sound. And it was things that sounded familiar, but yet so distinct and alien at the same time. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this song was released as the album's second single, and it peaked at number 35 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 charts. I'm Casey Kasem, and you're listening to The Cars. <laughs> it also reached number three in the U.K., it's, and it was, as you mentioned, on the 79 film Over the Edge. This is on a lot of uh, greatest hits, compilations, and bunch of compilations of music from back in the day so it was also uh, the first picture disc yes single. yes yes what a trip so <laughs> very cool great song <laughs> one thing i want to point out about best friends girl is the lyrics where there's that melancholy bit that like the song is is one thing you think like oh this guy wants to date his best friend's girl, but it all switches and flips around when he said, and she used to be mine. <laughs> it just totally alters everything. True story. My, my best friend, um, who is now married, happily married for a long time, his uh, wife used to be my girlfriend. <laughs> so, so this is our song. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this, this and uh, Jesse's girl could be the same song except for that lyric she used to be mine exactly that's the twist that's the twist like all good game shows who's the mvp for best friends girl elliot agreed hands down agreed hands down Mm it doesn't take away from the brilliance of anyone else but that that guitar is like a song unto itself yeah hi i also uh, add in add in a second for um, Greg and Benjamin and Elliot for their background vocals because you know here she comes. That's I mean that yeah. that makes the song. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I can't believe we're only two songs in. <laughs> yeah, on this and now let's pick our our third song, which lasts three minutes and forty four seconds, and we have Ben Orr stepping up to do vocals on just what I needed. Uh, yes, my, my desert island song. Yes. This is it.
Just what I needed, your Desert Island song, eh? Definitely. You know, I, I think about how many times in my lifetime I've listened to this song. Um, and and I, I never tire of it. Uh, I've got a five-year-old granddaughter who loves this song, um, also known as the Wasting All My Time song, as she <laughs> calls it. And, you know, when she's in the car with me, hey, play Wasting All My Time. And we play it over and over and over. And my wife dies a slow death in the passenger seat. But, you know, it's it's just one of those songs that I can listen to over and it doesn't matter when I could listen to it right now over and over and over. Uh, What's not to love about this song? It's just, it's incredible. Yeah, I agree. Donna, your thoughts. Well, as you know, this was the hook for me seeing them perform this on the midnight special. And it's also, you know, they call it the, the, the demo that got the deal. This is the song that, really um, moved him forward towards stardom. Uh-huh. And uh, I love it. I never skip it. I never get tired of it. I enjoy singing it from the top of my lungs every time. And yeah, it's the best. It's the best. Now, you know, you mentioned about the, the first three songs all being three minutes long and how the band lets one another shine. There's a weird thing that's going on if you actually, and I'm, I kind of noticed this stuff. It's I'm a weirdo, right? <laughs> but on the first side of the album, we have the songs, most of them sung by Rick, mm-hmm. one song by Ben. You flip the album over, and it's the exact <laughs> opposite, mm-hmm. where Rick has one song on that album, Ben has the rest. All the songs on side one are in the three-minute range. All the songs on side two are over four minutes long. Mm-hmm. It's just a weird bit of numerology <laughs> that may, adds up to... Nothing, but it just, <laughs> it just catches my eye, right? It's just bizarre. So this is Benjamin Orr's debut as a lead vocalist. And damn, what a good one, huh? Yeah. Well, and interestingly, you know, so you have those first three songs. They're all the same length. They, they're actually released in reverse order. So mm-hmm. there's one, two, three. So the third one was actually the first one released and so on. So Ben was actually the first voice of the cars nationally or, you know, um, and so it's always interesting to me that people later would not know, like myself, I could not remember Benjamin or as the vocalist, although I knew there were two vocalists. Ben uh, did, it, you know, as time went on, he did get sort of, he's back, he backed out of the spotlight a little bit in one sense where people didn't quite realize who he was, but he, he kicked it off. His voice kicked off the cars uh, all across the country. There's always the bit of, people not being able to distinguish between Rick Ocasek's voice and Benjamin Orr's voice. And, and, mm-hmm. and I see that and I understand it. And, and I was a part of that too. 
because usually on uh, a lot of albums they'll list the song and then it'll say you know lead vocals by backing vocals you know they didn't do that on their album and i always thought that you know at first i just thought that the benjamin orr songs were rick with a head cold i just i just <laughs> thought he was, was just and, and it took me a while to you know to figure that out until i saw you know things like the midnight special and so forth oh okay that's where he's singing uh, <laughs> you know but i it's it's amazing this song just what i needed you know there's so many versions of rick singing it you know most notably he just did it at the uh the rock hall induction i mean he he pulls it off um i mean it's his song but it's it's nowhere near um you know the vocal range or i think the excitement that benjamin orr puts into it whenever mm-hmm. whenever he sang it well i'm going to indict benjamin orr here uh I think that the band wanted to be a bit aloof, but Benjamin Orr is guilty of singing with emotion in his voice. <laughs> Whereas Rick plays Mr. Spock so well, Benjamin yeah. Orr is the Captain Kirk here. Mr. Yeah. Spock, don't you know they need our hit singles in Cleveland? You know, that sort of thing. Wow. I never heard never, never put, be like But now it makes sense. To Captain Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was in his contract. Wait a second. Let's see. If, if Spock is Rick Ocasek and Ben is Captain Kirk, then who's Ohura? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who's Scotty? Greg would be Scotty because I imagine him fixing everything, right? I was on the keyboard. I'm giving them all she got, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess that leaves Sulu and Chekhov to Dave and, and Elliot, so to boldly go where no band's gone before. There you go. Right nice. now, somebody somewhere's photoshopping the cars in those yellow and blue and red tops. You hey, know I was happening. just gonna say, Dave, you got a I'm, graphic. I'm there, man. <laughs> just think if if they were in the future, this would have been called the spaceships. That's would have been the band's name. Uh, groan. <laughs> the hovercraft. <laughs> With their new song. Just what I needed. Stuck in the transporter again. <laughs> anyway. Uh. So this is such a great song. There's there's nothing wrong about it. It's it's earned its status. You know, sometimes like you'll hear an album or a song, you're like, well, why why was this one so loved? Damn it, this one was so loved because it was, and it just is. And I love time, time. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Oh yes. And wasting all my time. He just could have sung that, but this time, time. It's just yeah. It adds something weird. It's it adds to that quirkiness stew, right? Yeah. And (laughs) And then like later in the probably around the time of heartbeat city when they were doing it live he'd put a pause in there <laughs> wasting all my time time, time. <laughs> yeah. and, that, and that was always cool too you know they, yeah. they mix it up over the years but there's something you can say about the fact that it was their strength that you didn't know exactly who was playing what on guitar who was singing what on vocals the fact that they all worked so well and gelled so well together Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. it's seemingly no real ego. At least, it, whatever happened backstage, or you know, when a tell-all book comes out about you know whatever, and we find out that somebody ate someone's yogurt and you know threw someone's <laughs> apple away on the tour bus, all that stuff. Uh, 
we didn't know about it. We don't know about anything. We just knew that the cars were cool and aloof and mm-hmm. one unit. They were the beast with five heads, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. going and that's something that a lot of bands had lost in the seventies. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe this song only made it to twenty seven. Yeah, I know. Why I, I just yeah, I I yeah, can't. but here's the weird fucking thing about it. It's still at 27, right? Like, it's never left. <laughs> <laughs> Has there ever been a day this wasn't played on radio somewhere? Yeah. Very true. It's still Very at 27 <laughs> with a bullet. So there you go. <laughs> so who's the MVP for Just What I Needed? Benjamin. I got to go with that, too. Me, too. <laughs> All agreed. Dave Robinson's special note. Uh, oh. The drumming is <sighs> yes. just so damn good. You know that yes. that first that first drum fill that uh-huh. he puts in there. Love it. And and he doesn't recreate that live a lot when when they, um, you know, play it. But God, I love that part. Yeah, and his change ups in the middle. I mean, just yeah, he's good in that one. One of the problems with being a drummer or a bass player is that when you're doing your job incredibly well, you don't get noticed for it because you're consistent. You're there. Mm-hmm. You're you're on it. And sadly, I don't think that Dave will ever get the credit that he deserves for keeping that band tight and together. Yeah. Any good drummer is the heartbeat of any good band, and Dave mm-hmm. Robinson is definitely that heartbeat. Agreed. I just think he and Benjamin were such a tight duo, too. I recently, I hadn't heard this phrase before. You guys probably have, but for a bass player to play in the pocket. Oh yeah. And I have heard that a lot recently about uh, Ben and um, and he and Dave. Just what a tight, what a, just what a tight section they were together. Yeah, definitely. So our next song, "I'm in Touch with Your World." Hmm. <laughs> white boy in andover ohio this was a bizarre song and then it got even (laughs) more bizarre on the next one but uh i agree i'm in touch with your world these two songs are almost like a one two like they they might as well be one song because there's really no division in between them even though there there's an apparent break but it just flows this whole album just flows it's Mm -hmm. i used to sculpt uh, and paint and this was one of those ones you could just put on and just let go and then it would suck because you'd have to flip it over right with clay on your hands or paint but <laughs> you got to be careful what you're doing man but uh yeah i'm in touch with your world who wants to take lead on that well first of all this is one of the songs that early on i would skip it was just a little bit too too crazy for me but as the years have gone on, um, you know, I appreciate it more, uh, specifically for the lyrics. I mean, the lyrics are so fucking weird <laughs> that 
and, and we and we've got so many great lines from this song, you know, in in the fanorama. You know, we're always talking about the Weisenheimer brainstorm and getting the funk after death and and so. <laughs> but you know, and now and knowing that they had you know other songs that that they could have put on this album, um, like you know, they won't see you, take what you want. I, I always wondered why they didn't put one of those songs in there. Um, but, you know, it, it, it has its place, if not just to watch Greg Hawks um, run around a mile a minute to get all these <laughs> instruments in. Yeah, with all the weird sound effects and stuff. Yeah. He's, he's working overtime on this one. I love this song. I love it. And I thought it was weird too, but so attractive. I loved it. And Dave, you mentioned before about now in the digital age, we can hear things so much better when we put our headphones on and stuff. And this song in the headphones is amazing. Greg is doing so many things and there are so many little sounds and nuances and it's, it's great. I, I absolutely love it. I love it. And I love the uh, harmony and, um, you know, when they do it live, it's it just knocks your socks off. Yeah. Well, and El- Elliot has those leads that are real faint. Mm. And then you know, then it just busts out for the for the chorus. Um, you know, that's always a great thing. But we, we've discovered there's like a you know breaking glass sound. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Dave, David dropping. And. Yeah. Uh, and of course, and Greg's saxophone is yep. in this song that a lot of people don't pick up on. Mm hmm. Yeah, you almost yeah. don't recognize it for what it is. But we'll right, talk that... more about saxophones later. Oh, my God. <laughs> the weird thing is, is I, I'm sure you've seen the liner notes from the Rhino 99 Deluxe Edition that came with this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Greg Hawk said that about this song, that was always one of my favorite ones to play live. Plus, I figure it would be fun for people to watch visually. <laughs> the line... <laughs> Everything is science fiction was a result of Greg Hawks mishearing Ocasek's original lyric, Everything You Say is Fiction, hence the spacey sound effect after the line. <laughs> yeah, am I saying the word right? Ocasek? Ocasek. Yeah, Ocasek. Rick changed it to accommodate this. See, I skipped around that. Yes. So, <laughs> so that's cool that uh, Greg mishearing the, that lyric, he helped form the song yeah help reshape it this song has this weird undulating thing to it it's mm-hmm. again with purpose i keep I keep saying that about this album but it's just like there's no you know like you listen to some songs and you feel wow that that song sounds like it's going off the rails 
I don't ever feel like it's going off the rails. These guys are complete, 100% control. Tight. Very tight. Yeah. This song was on the B-side of the debut single, Just What I Needed. <laughs> Do we have an MVP for this one? Greg Hawks. Greg Hawks. The sound man. The noisician. The yes. noisician. <laughs> a close second would be Rick in those lyrics. And we need to mention that you actually had Greg on your show. Yes. We did. We did. So, which episode <laughs> was that? Uh, um, 31, maybe? The thing about having you know, the actual band member on your show is you come up with all these different things you want to ask him. And, and that was the approach that we were taking in that episode was there's these questions that have been bugging us for years and years and years. And, you know, we wanted to ask Greg those questions, but, you know, even spending an hour plus asking him these questions, as soon as you get done, it's like, Oh man, I should have asked him this, or I should have asked oh, yeah. him that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got a running list of things we still need to ask him. And he has said that he's willing to do a part two. So Excellent. we're looking forward to scheduling that. It was uh, episode 31 was our interview with Greg Hawks. Excellent. So folks, check that out for more Cars goodness. And here we are, track five, with an odd little ditty. Don't just stop. Don't just stop. take lead on this one i have a uh, a visual that goes with this song that people might not uh, think i do but uh there was a show about roller coasters that <laughs> matt uh, what's his name he was in over the edge matt dylan matt dylan matt, matt dylan did and he's on this roller coaster and they played don't you stop so when i hear this song i see matt dylan on a roller coaster <laughs> which is not a good thing um <laughs> But, you know, the thing about this song is it's one of those songs that, you know, you're listening to as a teenager and you're just thinking, hey, all right, don't you stop. It's about don't you stop. But then as the years go on and people talk about the lyrics and they say, hmm, I think this song might be about something else. And then you realize (laughs) it and I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) You know, this song is about something else. So what's the something else? Well, Put it out there. Put it out. You opened that. You opened up that can of worms, Dave. I I, I don't want to embarrass Donna, but you know. <laughs> I'm already people, blushing. 
Oh, are you really? <laughs> I am too, but I oh, wake well. up that way. So go on. Yeah. <laughs> this the, what is alluding to is the possibility of oral sex. One of the best things that was ever invented. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> who invented oral sex? I I don't know, but somebody got happy that day. All I, right, back so, on track, people. I think it was the Egyptians. <laughs> God mistake. bless the Egyptians. Anyway, yeah. the thing the thing about Don't You Stop uh-huh. <laughs> is that Elliot recorded his guitar solo all in one take. It was just he only did it once and it was perfect the first time. There's a wow. little tidbit for you. Yeah. So this song was on the B-side to My Best Friend's Girl in the U.S. and Japan. Pretty much we've seen this economic use of space, right? Whereas like everything off side one has been released as a single, whether it's an A-side or a B-side. Isn't that weird? Yeah. That's awesome. I'm telling you, man, something's up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got to wonder how much of this was thought out and uh, and on purpose and how much of it was just like weird coincidence and it's strange because songs like you mentioned the matt Dillon thing with the you know roller coaster right these these songs have went on to be something big somewhere else if it wasn't on this album in culture right like we, we only have to point to moving in stereo to uh right one only has to think about that scene in fast times at ridgemont high and that gave the song like its own life right so but we'll talk right. about that when we get there it's time to do what all people love to do it's time to flip the album you ready flip hold it. on flip tight it. hold on tight it's just like on star trek whenever there's a bump and they all have to grab so i'm gonna flip <laughs> it over ready here we go okay did you hold it by the edges? Yes, because we no smudges. It. No smudges. No smudges. You know, I love vinyl, but gee, I remember when all I did was take them out and play the things. Now it seems <laughs> like you have to handle everything with kid gloves and oh, you must clean these daily. You know, it's like yeah, that's I. I have a, a older brother, and you know, I was just a pull it out and play it, and he was the. You pull it out, you get out the disc cleaner. Not too much. Don't put too much no, on there. And you, you had to scratch do it. Certain it. Way. Yeah. yeah. And then when you turned it over, you had to disc clean it again because who Insane. knows what was on the turntable pad. And Insane. Uh, yeah. Insane. <laughs> all right. So here we are. Ah, we've all landed nice and safe. And here we are with some good music. Track six, first song off of side one You're All I've Got Tonight.
This is really the only lead vocal from Rick on side two. Mm -hmm. So who wants to take lead on this one? That drum intro? Mm -hmm. Epic. Yes. It, it's kicks, it pulls you in immediately. Remember going back to on purpose. Like there's a purpose to this again. There's a heavy weight to it. And mm -hmm. it's so weird because there's that one point where it speeds up, but the tempo doesn't change. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -mm, I don't. Oh, you're going to make me find the song and play the part I'm talking about, man? Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You're all I've got tonight. But it's weird because it's like the tempo builds and increases and increases yeah. and increases. By the time it gets to this point, it's like the craziest they sound, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my god, oh. that interplay between the guitar and the lead singer. Yeah. See, that, that's where I think Elliot Easton really shines. Um, I mean, he's getting these incredible solos, but all these little fills that he's putting in during the songs. But see, it doesn't really change tempo that much. It's just the frenzy of the instrumentation. Yeah. But that part where it goes... Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm yeah. talking about. Those background you know vocals. Got tonight. Let's just listen to this song and say... Heck yeah. <laughs> anyway. So but, good. But that part right there where he's doing the interplay between the guitar licks and the vocals, it's just so insane. It just seems like it picks up tempo, but it doesn't really change that much. If you sit down and what what changes is the ferocity of the playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yes. you, and it builds and it builds and it builds like a monster, and I love it. I would say that this song, to me, this is the hardest rocking song. Don't You Stop is pretty, you know, it's a little faster pace. And it's, but this one has just like a deep, it's rock. This is a rock song on this album. Very much so. Uh, just, you know, that, that, again, that interplay between Elliot Easton and the vocals. God, it's just transcendent. It just blows my mind. I love it. I love it as much today as the first time I heard it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's weird yeah. when, you, when you think about guitar players, Elliot Easton's name does not come up as often as it should. And I think some of it has to do with his, the completeness of his work, meaning that he's not necessarily part of something else. He's unto himself. I had said earlier that his solos are songs unto themselves, right? And mm -hmm. it's weird, but like if you take some headbanger guy that can do some weedly weedly, it's not <laughs> as complex or as sharp and complete. If if the cars have one thing going against them, it's that they were too complete. They were too arrived. You know what I mean? They were too. They th this was their mission statement, and they did it. It's right. not so much the promise of what could have been. They fulfilled the contract. Right. I Interesting. Know, it's a weird way to look at it, but it's true. Uh, so who's the MVP on your All I Got Tonight? There's so many. Wow. Oh. I'll go I with Elliot. Like... Nice. Nice. 
I was going to say, I feel like uh, Dave really drives this song. Uh-huh. I really do. I agree with you 100%, because even though it doesn't seem like it speeds up, you get the feeling that it that it is. It's 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 almost like when you're on um, like a tilt-a-whirl. That's yeah. kind of what this song is. It's the audio version of what a tilt-a-whirl is, where you start out <laughs> and then you become disoriented within the song. <laughs> well, I feel like just from the very beginning drum beats, Dave just picks you up uh-huh. and puts you in the song, and he just never lets go of you the whole time to me yeah it's dave david yeah it's me yeah Yeah. dave curry's the mvp on this one i'm i make this song because it's you (laughs) pressing the the play button yeah (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't be the same without you but you know the thing about this song is though in 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 knowing this album when this song is playing you know, you, when you get to the end, you know it's going to stop abruptly and go right into the next one. Uh-huh. That's fantastic. That's one thing that I've always loved about the cars in general is how they slide songs into each other. This is the point where the, the rest of the album is just all one thing. Yeah, it yes. seems like th- this is almost a suite unto itself. Mm-hmm. It's, we call it the next three, we call it the Benjamin Orr trifecta. Mm. You've got these three... This whole, like you said, a little suite unto itself, this little set of, of Ben songs that are amazing. During the second and third verses, that call and response effect created by Rick and Elliot's guitar leads are just yeah. amazing, amazing. So check it out, check it out. And, you know, as as uh, fancy as a guitar player is, he's he's really playing the blues. He's really stuck in that scale. Mm-hmm. It's, it's excellent, so... Well, and when you hear this one live, he definitely takes advantage and stretches out, uh-huh. Elliot does, um, which is nice. Now, you were kind of, um, we've talked a little bit about the things on B-sides and stuff. This was the B-side to All Mixed Up. Uh-huh. Um, and the other thing I was going to say is this song, even though it was never released as a single, it still gets a lot of airplay. I hear this song a lot in my neck yeah. of the woods, and I live, you know, way out in Podunkville. Same here uh, for our listeners. It's still a KC classic. i I referenced this when we were talking about tracks four and five but how there's like everything seems to flow into one another like it almost seems like it's one long song right and Mm -hmm. you're all i've got tonight breaking into bye bye love just a great moment in itself who would have thought silence would be so resplendent right that that little yes break in in the album which leads (laughs) us to the suite the, the last three songs, which are epic unto themselves. This is one of those things that when you're driving on a foggy night in Ohio, you know, on Route 11, mm. this is a great album to play. Yeah. Just make sure you don't hit any cows. <laughs> so track seven, Bye Bye Love.
my God, where do we go? Who wants to take uh, it? Uh, I, I've mentioned in our podcast many times before, this was my um, teenage tortured soul song mm-hmm. because, you know, it's an orangey sky. Always it's some other guy. Poor little Davy. <laughs> <laughs> one of the girls to didn't notice um yeah Broken-hearted. <laughs> but yeah i've got uh uh great great memories of of listening to this you know late summer um with actually an orangey sky you know sun going down driving along with my brother you know it's it's got a it's got a a personal connection with me substitution mass confusion donna what's going on inside your head well, <laughs> I really am trying to control myself because this is my Desert Island song. Uh-huh. I, just even t- starting to talk about it, my pulse is racing. I am getting so hyper. I love Bye Bye Love. Starts out with a bang. Ben's got his little bass riff in there that just kicks. His vocals out of this world. Lyrics don't change a word. I mean, this song is everything. The song is everything. It's yeah. so great. And... Greg is doing some interesting stuff on keyboards here, and he's playing the keyboards in a more traditional sound than anything yes. else you hear on this album. It's so perfect. It's weird to have this organic sound amid all of this compressed alien weirdness, you know what I mean? But when you hear yes. that, just how the bass works with the keyboards... You almost feel like you're listening to a funk album, but not quite, right? You know, there's something going on there, but it's cool. But it's neat that he like had the the presence of mind or whatever it was to the taste to switch it up and go yes. with a different sound because it really and adds it, another dimension. And we're going to talk about Greg Hawks and dimensions coming up here, but uh, <laughs> and he has those he has two sounds going on in there. He has that that more muted, subtle you know, that he starts out with. And then later he gets that higher, um, almost, almost space-ish. It's very more, much more seventies, almost disco-y sound that he adds in later, but it, it is so perfect. It's, it's the exact compliment that's needed. That's, I, I, <laughs> I need to calm down. I just get so hyper about this song. We've got 911 on speed dial. So if you <laughs> are feeling bad, Get the brown bag, Donna. Breathe. I know. Breathe. I know. I love this song. <sighs> breathe. <laughs> Hello. When you, I'm Brenda when you Vaccaro. S- <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you hear my Brenda Vaccaro episode? Are you making fun of me? <laughs> no, no, I missed that one. <laughs> do you remember that day when I had a yep. cold? And- oh yeah. <laughs> oh yes, I do remember that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But no, I always Mary she used to do those commercials. <laughs> Hello, I'm Brenda Vaccaro. <laughs> And today I'm joined by <laughs> Kathleen Turner. <laughs> Hello, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> How are you? And then Honestly. we're going to bring Nina Blackwood in. <gasps> Hi, everyone. It's so good to be here. You can listen to me on Sirius. <gasps> she was more like Harvey Firestein on that episode. Oh, my God. How dare you I say that? I just want to call my mother. Oh, now I'm getting the clem. Stop it. All right. All right. These will be in the bloopers. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Um, Substitution. Okay. Mask if you... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Here's a question for you, Ken, because you probably think about stuff like this like I do. Substitution, mass confusion, clouds inside your head. Is clouds a verb or a noun to you? 
It's wow. it's a verb. It's a verb. Thank you. Yes, it's a verb. It can be both. They both kind of mean the same thing, but it's 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 expressing something going on, not something there. It's the substitution and massive confusion that are clouding inside his head. He doesn't have clouds in right. his head. It's cl- he's getting clouded. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you agree with me. Well, all great minds think alike, even ours. <laughs> even ours. <laughs> right. I always thought that was clowns inside <laughs> You're that, kidding. You've got to be. No, you, that's in your oh, head. Okay. <laughs> Hello, is. kids. It's me. <laughs> Krusty my, the Clown. He's in my head. All the kids in Springfield are SOBs. Yeah. Now, now that wasn't Krusty. <laughs> that was Pennywise from the, no. you know. Hello, kids. Bye Bye Love was in the movie Super 8, Steven Spielberg film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was good. It's weird how how many of these songs have wound up in movies. You know, mm-hmm. they they seem to to work. As a matter of yeah. fact, I think all of these songs have been in films. I haven't thought about that, but quite possibly. Um, and that's the thing, you know, for a band that never had a number one song, and who really, you know, was sort of in the middle of, in the middle as far as popularity. You know, they weren't like a Bon Jovi or you know what I mean or David Bowie or they were sort of in the middle they are still their music is still woven throughout our culture yeah constantly yeah absolutely constantly so who's the MVP of Bye Bye Love oh come on Ken can I answer that Donna no if you only if you answer right Benjamin Orr (laughs) thank you Do you disagree, Ken? If if I disagree, it's because there's so much goodness elsewhere as well. It's it's got nothing to do it's with. It's a great song. Uh, yeah. You know, this is one of the problems. It's like you almost want to say, "Who's the MVP?" The Cars. Exactly. So, <laughs> this is such a great album, and that where the, this song stops, and there's that second of silence that leads to track wait, wait, eight. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait, can I say something else about? Can I say something else about Bye Bye Love? No, but go ahead. No. <laughs> Please. Yeah, Two against this one. Is... <laughs> oh, dang. Can't argue with numbers. The thing about this, too, is that here's a song where you don't have an Elliot Easton solo in the middle. Mm-hmm. But that outro, I mean, he's, yeah. you know, he's getting his licks in there, playing off of Greg. And it's beautiful. It's awesome. And then, of course, if you see live footage, almost every time that they played this song, you've got Ben and, and Elliot doing their little flirt where they, you know, back up next to each other and, and play off of each other on that ending. And it's just so delightful to watch those two. It's It adds that much more to an already perfect song. And the ending. The ending. Which snaps right into track eight, moving in stereo. Yes. <laughs> I say, I'm moving in stereo, 
Life's the same, except for my shoes. Life's the same, you're shaking like tremolo. Life's the same, it's all inside you. This song has lived in my mind before I ever saw Fast Times at Richmond High. That's its own thing. But so glad this this song, it's moody, it's eerie, yeah. it's all of those things. Like I said, drive on a cold Ohio night with the fog, man. You'll hear it. Mm-hmm. You'll hear mm-hmm. it. And we've all driven through the fog at some point. I don't care what state you're in, whether it was substitution <laughs> or mass confusion, uh, the state of confusion. <laughs> This, this song is playing, and again, this is that sweet. It seems like all these are one song, Bye Bye Love, Moving in Stereo, all mixed up. Mm-hmm. Gosh, who wants to talk about Moving in Stereo? Who's taking lead? The, the panning vocal always just draws me in. You know, whether, whether I'm listening in my car, listening on, on the, the stereo at home, listening on, with the earphones on, it just it blows me away. Um, and I don't know if that's, I know it's probably not the first song I ever heard that, that did that, but it's just the, 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 I guess what the song is about and, and them using that to, to enhance it. Um, the Greg doing the, uh, the jingle bells. I don't know what the, the, the name of it. The, the yeah. Name, that's always been a big Slay, part. The sleigh bells. The sleigh bells. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very, very good. And there's a tasteful use of everything. He could have went apeshit on this, right? 
and just through like like he kind of uh gets crazy and I'm in touch with your world if he would have taken that same approach and through the kitchen sink in moving in stereos it would have sounded corny yeah. but there's a subdued taste about everything everything has its place it's almost like a a symphony or, or everything's just right you know what i'm saying yeah very subtle very purposeful always that word just keeps coming back doesn't it yeah he's he's very uh particular about what he chooses to do where in the song and it's perfect you know a lot of people don't realize this but sometimes it's what you don't hear that is so important to music right Mm -hmm. like if i were Mm -hmm. to play you james brown's i feel good we all know it if you listen to the decay that you get from his voice hitting the wall you can actually hear the tile you can actually hear that (laughs) if 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 i feel good was recorded today they would have taken out his breathing in between the songs. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. In, 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 in between the lines of the lyrics. They would, have mm-hmm. go, they would have went in, tightened that up, they would have copied the first take that the drummer had and spaced it through the whole song. But it's different each time. And you can hear the heartbeat of the drummer, you can hear the decay on the walls hitting the tile, the reverb coming back. All of that stuff would have been wiped out and taken away. So sometimes when you listen to a song, you're hearing the room, and that's one of the reasons we don't like music now as much as we used to, mm. because you don't get to hear the, the, the sound of the tile, the, the heartbeat of the drum, the, the voice, the, the, uh, the sound of the lungs leaving the, you know, the air leaving mm-hmm. your lungs. You know, all of that stuff is gone, because we went in and we trim it out, right? It's kind of right. like taking out ums. When you're podcasting, right? So <laughs> every podcaster in the world just looked at the thing, going, "Yeah, I know what you're talking about." Um, <laughs> but this song is an exercise in subtlety, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it makes everything that you do wind up hearing even stronger as a result. So Agreed. Great purpose and taste. Great choices. And it's very. The timing of it is so, so he starts out with these sounds and layers and you, and he goes on just long enough that you're thinking, okay, it's like that anticipation in a, in a scary movie where you know something's coming and you, and you're just waiting for it on the edge and your, your shoulders getting a little bit hunched. And then all of a sudden, you know, in comes the drums and the bass and these other, you know, layers come in and start and it, it just builds, builds. And then the vocal comes in and it's all just the timing of it is also perfect. And then even how long the song goes on, it's almost repetitive, but it never gets to the point where you've heard it enough and you're like, okay, end it already. Right. It, it goes on and you, you get in like that. um, You're sort of in this swirling mood of this music. And like you said, in the fog or like, I love to listen to it. If I uh, run in the dark, if I on an early morning run and it's the sun's just about to come up, but it's that dark, and it, you just get in this swirly, this mass of uh, the time-space continuum where you're just not quite sure where you are. But then it, it it doesn't go on too long where you get tired of it. It's just the right amount of timing for the whole song. You know, that's another pet peeve of mine is uh, this song earns every second of its 4 minutes and 41 seconds. Mm-hmm. It seems like we, in modern music, Another thing that we do is we say, hey, a song has to be four minutes and 53 seconds long. 
and it doesn't earn its time. You know what I'm saying? It, it, you're mm-hmm. repeating things and just adding things just to stretch it out. When right. you take a listen to something like Day Tripper or uh, Heartbreak Hotel, you're getting 100% nutrition vitamin of coolness. You know what I mean? You're getting <laughs> only the best. And the the stuff that didn't fit didn't need to show up. And so, But this song earns its four minutes and 41 seconds. And it's weird. You know, we were talking about how there's three songs on the first side that are three minutes and 44 seconds. Every song on side two, again, it's a weird time thing. But You're mm-hmm. All I've Got Tonight is four minutes and 13 seconds. The next song is four minutes and 14 seconds. Then we're at 4 minutes and 41, back to 4 minutes and 14 seconds. So roughly, Mm -hmm. there are three songs on side two that are one second shy of being the same exact time. Like (laughs) the first. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) So something something weird is there. These guys are tight. Someone had their finger on the till. Someone's playing head games with us. (laughs) There's an answer here. What was that movie, Memento? I know I can figure this out. If you look at my wall, I've got like, but this song's three minutes and 44 seconds too. (laughs) So if there's an MVP to moving in stereo, who is it? Wow. Hmm. That's a tough one. This is probably the toughest. I, I, you know, Greg is very strong in this. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you've got you got Benjamin's vocals. You got that bass line that oh, Benjamin bass. throws in there. Um, Just a throbbing bass line. It's awesome. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can remember when I saw Benjamin Orr when he was just traveling by himself. Um, he, you know, he would do moving in stereo, and he would make a point to watch and look at the guy playing bass when it came to that came to that bass line that bass run yeah just just see if he was going to screw it up almost daring him to do it (laughs) you know the throbbing pulsing bass of benjamin Orr. (laughs) you know as soon as i said that word i was like oh no ken's going down yep (laughs) floating in a river with a saturated liver and i wish i could figure it better with it (laughs) monkeys yep monkeys monkeys uh you know greg has a writing credit on this song yeah i was gonna mention that this is Mm -hmm. this is his writing credit here so i almost want to give him the that for the mvp just for that the fact that he's a co-writer on this one you know i'm gonna go ben i'm definitely i'm gonna go ben Ben the vocals throbbing bass and dreamy eyes the vocals in that bass well the dreamy eyes are always a given yeah but you can't hear them well i I think you can though (laughs) i know i you wouldn't believe the things I hear. Yeah. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> wow! The uh, the bass and the and the vocals, the two things combined, that's what pushes it over the edge for me with Ben. I vote Ben. I'm okay. I'm gonna have to go a trifecta on this because um, Benjamin slash Greg slash uh, Roy Thomas Baker, who I think was instrumental in oh. in, in the way it flows. The way the song itself flows or the way the three flow yeah. together? Oh, okay. The, the way, well, the way the three flow together, but the way, you know, he's panning the vocals and, and I'm, sh- I'm sure that was an RTB thing. Yeah. Nice. Great. And, you know, you think that this song, uh, the lyrics, they, they don't seem like they add up to much, but if you're just reading them 
it, they just look like, oh, this was just jotted down. It's no big thing. But there's a lot going on lyrically here. You know, you're shaking mm-hmm. like tremolo, and that's something only a guitar player understands. Mm-hmm. Or those of us that go, what does that mean? And then they look it up and go, ah, yeah. now I get it. <laughs> and it's all inside you. Yeah, mm-hmm. life's, life's the same. It's all inside you. Yeah. Yeah. So lyrically, we're talking about how we all have the same problems and that you feel like you're the only one, but really the song's saying we're all moving in unison. We're all moving together. We're all moving in tandem. And even though you have your problems and you think you're alone, we're, we're all there. That's almost what the song means to me. Mm. Because it's, nice. it's like it's speaking directly to the listener, but if you mm. listen to what they're actually saying, they're saying it's, it's bigger than you. Hmm. Even with throbbing bass and dreamy eyes. <laughs> and feet coming up out of the water. <laughs> Almost seems like I should be uh, sparking up a doobie right now. <laughs> you mean you haven't been? No. Dave, it was the only thing right. that Don and I were thinking were making you the way you are. We just were assuming, and that makes an ass out of me and me. So I'm not going to call Don an yeah. ass. <laughs> so... <laughs> An excellent song that continues to build. This song continues to build in its reputation, in its swagger. It just continues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The album ends. The perfect side of the perfect album. The album ends with All Mixed Up at track nine. so much going on so much that's hard to understand it's a very complex song 
and you hear things that you don't even realize that you're hearing. Like, for example, we want to talk about MVPs. My God, Greg on the saxophone. What mm -hmm. the fuck? You know, <laughs> where'd that come from, right? Yeah. You don't even realize you've heard a saxophone before in the clinking and clanging. You've heard it almost used as like a Looney Tune sound effect, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that boy can play on this. Mm hmm Good Lord. And then yeah. you've, you've got those... The, those real faint leads that that Elliot puts in there, and then you know when it when they get into the chorus and it just explodes, um, you know that's that's always big for me on this song. But um, you know most notably, back to uh, Donnaville here. I mean it's it's Benjamin Moore's <laughs> vocals, um, mm -hmm. and I, I don't know if you've ever heard this Ken or not, but I know there's it's out there of him singing all mixed up and it's just him and a guitar. Uh -huh. um, that, and, and when you listen to that, you realize what an incredible vocalist he was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The isolated track, Dave, is that what you're yeah, talking about? I, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of them. She shadows me in the mirror. She never leaves say to her they just don't seem to bite She said to leave it to me. Everything will be alright. Be alright. She said to leave it to me. 
and he go, he gets the whole range here. You know, he gets up high in that sort of falsetto and yeah, he he's all over the place with this and emotion, just over overboard with emotion. Not overboard, yeah. I guess, cuz it's perfect. It's it makes you ache to to listen to this. Yeah. Yeah, there's a real sense of longing in this that mm-hmm. you would think you would hear it in other songs, but it is just so emotional and evocative. It's incredible. Well, and really, it's the most vulnerable track on the whole album. I mean, yeah. the other songs, you know, they sing about women and stuff, but it's always sort of that distant, surfacey type of thing. And this one just has more of a relationship feel to it. Yeah. Even though the lyrics are still, you know, signature Rick, you it hits you in the heart. Who cannot identify with this song at some point in their life? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, that's that. It, it's powerful. Absolutely, and it's interesting. Dave and I have talked about this before. This in this Benjamin Orr trifecta, you have "Bye Bye Love," a very pop, um, quick moving, wonderful dancey type song, and then you have "Moving in Stereo," a little more cryptic, moody, slow pace, and then you have this ballad, this emotional. Um, tearing ballad that um, gets you. I mean, Benjamin could do it all, really. Yeah. I mean, he he could do it all. Those three are almost like the cool down after a workout. Yeah. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. After, after don't just you stop. Yeah. You know, yeah. seriously. Yeah. It's like so the that's album so builds the workout. And, yeah. You're sobbing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You collapsed on the We're mat crying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all mixed up. <laughs> She shadows me in the mirror. She never leaves on the light. And some things that I say to her, they just don't seem to bite. It's all mixed up. Love it. She tricks me into thinking I can't believe my eyes. I wait for her forever, but she never does arrive. It's all mixed up. That's a biggie right there. I wait for her forever. She never does arrive. Mm. She says, leave it to me. And then they do the call and response, leave it to me. Everything will be all right. And he, his voice gets angelic at this point. Yes. And he goes and from being the hurt guy to the savior at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. He's counseling himself. Because yeah. she's not there to help. So yeah. when he's singing like the high part, it's almost he's the angel version of himself saying, it's going to be all right, man. We're gonna make through. We're gonna make it through with this. You know what I mean? We're gonna make it through this. Interesting. She's always out making pictures. She's always out making scenes. She's always out the window when it comes to making dreams. So she's never there to plan or build a future, and it's all mixed up. And then we go back to the chorus again. This is a relationship that he knows has to end. That there's no real future for it. But the feelings that are there are intense enough that he wants to be part of it. But it's things conflicted. aren't. Yeah. Where do you go? What do you do? Right. And you've got all of a sudden the cars go from being this weird new wave alien space band to being Gary Rafferty with that solo <laughs> uh, that screams of the sax in the night. Yeah. Turns into a, a film noir kind of pulp. Book, you know with a detective you can you can just imagine it's sam spade or johnny dangerously or whatever you know whatever the detective's <laughs> name would be and he's listening to himself with that cigarette 
going off into the night and looks out the window and sees the city lights as you hear Greg Hawk's solo on that saxophone screaming into the night. Mm. picture unto itself yeah just amazing and who knew that that uh weird looking guy would have all the instrumentation that he could pull out and all the <laughs> stuff that he's a he's a man of many tools there that greg hawks yeah, yeah and he knows <clears throat> how to use them that's one of our follow-up questions what don't you play greg <laughs> the thing about this song too is that you know, Benjamin packs so much into the vocals and, and I love the reading of the lyrics. And then you think about how the rest of the band is almost um, cushioning all of that. Their parts are so subtle. And, you know, Benjamin definitely shines in this and it's like everybody else is sort of supporting, just cushioning, pillowing around Benjamin's emotion to to elevate it even more. Yeah. It's just an epic ending to an epic album. Like I said, this is one of those albums that is almost always in people's top tens, uh, especially whether it be debut albums. I mean, how do you hit this hard out the gate? Yeah. And I know that, you know, Rick says that Ben was part of every band he had ever been in, period. And that he, you know, when he was asked about, well, why do you think your voice is are so similar and he said you know ben was part of every band i've ever been in and they've spent so much time working together the cars when they arrived when they arrived on the scene they knew exactly what they wanted to be and again that with purpose Mm -hmm. that's what this album is with purpose yeah so mvp on all mixed up i'm gonna have to say oh I have I mean, to say you, Ben. Yeah, I mean, do you give it to Ben for the performance, the dual thing of yes. the moody guy, and then the angelic voice? Do you give it to 
Greg Hawks's sax solo or what? It, there's so many things, but you know, I guess we got to go with Ben Orr, MVP on yeah, this one. Definitely Benjamin Orr. Yeah, Ben. I vote Ben too. Well, there's no shortages of way that you can get this album. I really enjoy the last version that Rhino put out recently. That was really cool. Yeah, and then you know, I didn't really know, you know, as as they started remastering the Cars catalog, this wasn't one of the albums that that I thought really needed to be remastered. Um, it was always perfect in in my uh, my eyes, but. Um, you know, you can you can notice some subtle differences, mm-hmm. and it's great to get because it's got the demos and live stuff on it. Yeah, yeah. So pick that up. We recommend it highly. I think that's three thumbs up all the way around. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's all get in the car as we wrap this up. I want to thank mm-hmm. you for spending some time with us around this holiday season, and uh, it's good to get together with uh, our hashtag Potter and family, and uh, we look forward to. Uh, being in this thing together with you guys. Thank you for being part of it. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Seriously, thank you for supporting all my weird little things here on Pop because <laughs> I'm 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 putting my audience through the paces because I literally am talking about anything I want to, whether it's everything sucks or the cars <laughs> or a fun size game show, right? So the fun size show. So <laughs> seriously, love you guys and uh, I appreciate what you do. Oh, Ken, we feel the same. You're awesome. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having us. All righty. Well, they will see you on the next episode of Night's Thoughts, the Cars podcast, and we'll see you next on another fine episode of Pop. So <laughs> we'll see you, and happy holidays, and be safe, and love one another, right? Right. You got it. <laughs> Bye. And uh, leave it to me. Everything will be oh. all right. <laughs> Bye-bye, love. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we will see you. Say goodbye, Donna. Bye, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye, Donna. <laughs> oh, Donna. All right. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, guys. All right. Thank thanks, you thanks. so much, Appreciate Ken. It. Yep. God bless. We'll see Alrighty. you. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's our show. Pop is an online, nonprofit pop culture audio fanzine made for fans by fans. Any samples of music, TV, or movies heard here remain the property of their owners. Pop, a pop culture podcast, is not affiliated with any products we review or discuss. Opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of the pop staff. If you like something that you heard, buy it at your local record, video, or bookstores, or wherever pop is found. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying whatever you do, make sure it pops. Say goodnight, Dick. <laughs>